We are in a series here called Uniquely Luke. There are passages that are only in Luke's gospel. There's lots of, in the three synoptics or the ones that you see together, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, there's many that they have the same stuff in each one of them and you get the details of it. But Luke has got a number of things that are only in his gospel and we are going through each story, each truth that Luke gives. It's only in Luke. And today we are in Luke 11. It begins with the disciples saying, Lord, teach us to pray. And Jesus then gives them the Our Father, which is also in Matthew's gospel. But then he tells a story that's not in Matthew's gospel. And you'll see why in a moment. So here we are, Luke 11, verse 5. Then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend And you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of his friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity. He will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Would you pray with me, please? Lord, you have a, a, a word from your Bible, from the, your eternal word, from the written word, and you have a word this morning from your direct rhema word, a prophetic word. Lord, we want to respond to you. You, you said in, Luke, or in Proverbs 1.22, turn to my reproof and I'll pour my spirit out on you. Lord, we don't want to fight you. We don't want to justify ourselves. We, we just say, Lord, whatever you want to speak, we count it a gift that you are speaking to us. Would you come and do in this room what only you can do? We love you. We praise you. We'll give you all the glory for every good thing that happens here. In Jesus' name, and everybody said Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So the title of the message is Shameless Audacity. It is a very interesting Greek word. I cannot pronounce it, but I'll give you what it kind of says. Anidea. That's kind of the Greek word. And the reason why it's interesting, this is the only time this word is used in the entire New Testament. It's only used once. And it's right here. It means something that that you do that lacks sensitivity to what is proper, to what is dignified. It, It is impertinent. And it is translated here, shameless audacity. Audacious 
Because he comes at midnight and knocks at somebody's door. Who is going to knock at midnight on somebody else's door? You know they're sleeping and you're not going to knock anyway. That is audacious. It's shameless because he says, go away, we're sleeping. And he won't stop knocking. He just keeps knocking. Nope, nope. Shameless audacity. Jesus is telling us that the reason he got up and gave him everything he needed was because of his shameless audacity, not because of his friendship. He's got a friendship, he's got a relationship, which is why he's shamelessly audacious. But the reason he gets everything that he asked for is because of shameless audacity. It's interesting. Matthew 7, 11 has something similar, but at the end, it, instead of this story, it just says, if you being evil know how to good, 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 give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? And there's no shameless audacity needed. This story isn't told. It, it is, you, you are a child of God. God loves you. Uh, he wants to provide for you. And Matthew 7, 11 is for you. It is for your life, for your uh, grandma, for the dog, for whatever it is that's worrying you, whatever is concerning you. Jesus says, yeah, bring it, bring it, bring it. I love you. I'm here for you. I want you to know I care for you. I love you and you can ask you're not begging you, you you know that I love you and you just ask in faith and know that I love you and I'm your, I'm your provider I'm the answer for every problem but in this situation it's not for it's not for you this is for the for the world the world has come at midnight the world has come and the, and and it's midnight and and they're at your door and you have nothing of your own for them and so you have to go in, what you do have is this relationship with this guy that's really rich, and you know that in his, deep in his heart, he's generous, and so you don't mind waking him up, and you're going to stay there, and you're going to get there, because you want something for your friend. And that thing that the world needs is the Holy Spirit. See, the world needs Jesus. But they need the Jesus that's actually in the Bible. And the only way we can give them this Jesus is by the church being filled with the Holy Spirit. So the, the church needs to use its friendship with God to be shamelessly audacious, to press in and receive the, the, the power and the glory and the words and the wisdom of the Holy Spirit so that it can go back to the world at midnight and give them something from heaven. And it's funny, this impoliteness, this impertinence, this shameless audacity, not only does Jesus say, you know, don't treat God like that. God needs to be treated with respect. No, Jesus, Jesus is saying, no, this is how it works. You need to put a demand on heaven. You need to be desperate enough and shameless enough and you need to use your relationship to 
enter into shameless audacity so that you receive. It, it says, it says right in the text, he gets nothing because he's his friend. It's because he's a friend that he's willing to use his friendship to press in with shameless audacity to receive from God everything that the world needs at midnight. This is the history of revival. This is the history. This is how the first awakening, the second awakening, the, the, the Wales revival, this is, this is how they came. Somebody, the stories are told. We, we've done a whole Sunday night series on the history of revival. So shameless audacity gets on someone. Someone presses beyond it and starts praying these bigger prayers for God to come and pour out his spirit on the church so that they've got something to give to the world. So I want to... Um, talk about a little examples of shameless audacity. So, so here's one. Um, this is in Mark chapter nine. It is a man whose son is demon-possessed and has been demon-possessed for years. So he brings him to the disciples. He's heard the demons are being cast out and people are getting freedom. So he, he hears the story. So he brings him to the disciples and the disciples who have a relationship and have been given authority try and they can't get it out. How many know when you've got a, a child that's demon possessed that, that it's midnight? <laughs> it's midnight. I need help. Every, every, every parent knows this. Every parent is as happy as its saddest child. That's just how, that's how parenting works. It is, a, it is a blessing and it's a curse. And it's midnight. So he goes to the church at midnight and says, can you do something? And the church tries to do something, and, and, but, but can't. And, 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 and there's, so there's arguments, and, and, and it turns out Jesus and the top three guys, Peter, James, and John, have been on the Mount of Transfiguration. And they're, they're, they come down, and they find this scene, this argument between why can't we get it out, and, and, and Jesus, Jesus, Jesus takes over. And the guy says, the dad says, uh, do anything if you can. And Jesus is like, if I can. He said, all things are possible to those who believe. Amen. And he casts that demon out, and this boy goes free. But back in the room afterwards, the disciples say, why couldn't we get it out? And Jesus gives something that is for us. It's not for them. He says, here's what he says. He says, this kind comes out only by prayer and fasting. Some translations just say prayer. Some say prayer and fasting. Pastor Tom, which one is it? That means in the ancient Greek, some of the translations have prayer, and some translations have prayer and fasting, and depending on which one. But he says, this kind's only going to come out by prayer. Now, why do I say that it's for us? When Jesus was on the earth, if you had a problem you couldn't solve, you found Jesus. <laughs> you just found Jesus. Yeah, and, and he did what, he, he, what Jesus did. And Jesus had no problem getting any demon out, any healing, nothing was above him. He was God on earth. But he said, for us, sometimes you're not gonna be, the evil that is around you is gonna be so great that you're gonna have to put a demand on heaven. You're gonna have to enter into this shameless audacity and receive from heaven 
the bread that the world needs. Do you see that it starts with the church acknowledging we don't have any bread of our own? Shameless audacity means um, our programs aren't doing it, our coolness isn't doing it, our relevance isn't doing it, and I'm not against trying to be relevant and trying to make things nice so that people feel welcome, but guys, the world needs a, mo- a touch from heaven. They need, they need more than just us, us doing stuff. And so this, he says, why couldn't we get it out? And Jesus says, this kind can only come out by prayer and fast. Notice what he doesn't say. He doesn't say because it's God's will that this boy be demon-possessed. He doesn't say, yeah, you know, just trust God. And he says, no, you need to put a demand on heaven. You're, you're going to have to press into heaven, and you're going to have to get fresh bread from heaven for them. Second example in Scripture Shameless audacity is Elisha. And I'm going to read these three verses. Uh, it's it's first King, uh, 2 Kings 2, 2, 4, and 6. I'm just going to read them right one after another without the ones in between. And Elijah said to Elisha, please stay here. For the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. But Elisha said, as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. Elijah said to him, Elisha, please stay here, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But he said, as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. Then Elijah said to him, please, please stay here, for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. But he said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. 2 Kings 2, 9 and 10. When they had crossed the Jordan, Elijah said to Elisha, ask what I shall do for you before I am taken from you. And Elisha said, please, let there be a double portion of your spirit on me. And he said, you have asked a hard thing, but if you see me as I am being taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if you do not see me, it shall not be so. Wow, what is this? What is this? So the verses in between, the prophets say to Elisha, do you know your master is going to be taken soon? He's like, yep, know all about it, know all about it. And so Elijah says, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm going to do a lot of travel today, and it's just going to be easier for you to stay here. Please, you just, you just stay here. And Elisha says, No. No, I'm staying with you. Three times. Please, please, you're annoying me. Please stay here. I want what I'm going to do. I want to do it alone. Please stay here. Nope, not leaving you, not leaving you, not leaving you, not leaving you. And then finally he turns to him and says, all right, what do you want? And it turns out it's not really Elijah saying, what do you want? It's God saying, What do you want? And he says this, here's what I want. I want a double anointing. I want, the anointing is the manifestation of God's presence in this world. I want double of what you have. And Elijah, but really not Elijah, God says this. You've asked for a difficult thing. Not difficult for God. It's nothing for God to pour out a double anointing. 
difficult for human beings because human beings are so easily distracted. And he says, tell you what, here's, how, here's the promise. You see me when I go. If you are so focused that you see me when I go, you'll get it. You'll get the double anointing. Did you know that Elisha had twice as many miracles as Elijah? Heaven, guys, heaven is doing fine. God is doing fine in his kingdom. Our prayers don't affect what happens in heaven. Heaven is glorious and God's got plenty of angels. He's got plenty of people. God's, God's having a good day every day. How many know that? So Elisha's prayer is not about what's happening. It's in heaven. It's about what's gonna happen on earth. And because of his prayer, Something was released from heaven on this earth. This earth became a better place because somebody prayed a bigger prayer. He's praying for the anointing. The anointing isn't for you. It's for the world around you. I am praying for double. This world is hurting. This world is a mess. This world doesn't see God. It just sees man and all that man's doing and all the evil. God, we need to see you. I want a double anointing. I want a double anointing of what you can do so that this earth can see the beauty of heaven, the goodness of God, the power of God, the miracles of God. And God's like, you see see me, you'll get it. Shameless audacity. If he doesn't exercise shameless audacity, it just doesn't happen. Heaven goes without it. So let me me give you a, a real example from my life to, to grab a hold of shameless audacity. So, one of my daughters had braces on two different times, two different cities, two different orthodontists. We've already spent thousands of dollars on the orthodontist, and we get this report from our current orthodontist, Beth, um, I'm not giving away the daughter, um, <laughs> is, is, is still experiencing pain, and of course, the, the jaw is growing when they're young, and so it's hard to know exactly and that orthodontist or the, the dentist says, I've got bad news for you. He, he said, he said there's, there's two ways to solve this problem. One is we just go with what we're currently doing and she just has to get used to living with a, a, little, a little pain. And you take things for the pain. He said, but what, what, what really needs to be done, he said, but it's really expensive. What really needs to be done is we need to break her jaw and then put braces on her again in the new position. It's painful and it's expensive. Your choice. So I go back and we've already poured out thousands of dollars. I'm on a pastor's salary. Alice does not have a job outside of the home. We've got a couple kids in college. We have no, no extra money. And so I am like, okay, you know, this is just a real, I will not go in debt for anything other than the mortgage on our house, and I'm just, that's, that's just a thing with me, and I am not gonna go into debt for this, and, and so I am, in my quiet time, I'm preparing myself for how I'm gonna explain this to Beth, that, honey, mom and dad cannot do this. We do not, we cannot do it. We love you, but that doesn't mean God can't heal you and we'll pray for your healing. We'll continue to pray for your healing. And, but this is, we just don't, we can't do this. And I'm getting ready 
I'm, I'm, I'm at the end of my prayer time, and, and then I just get this whisper, you, you, haven't, you haven't tapped all of your resources. And I'm like, God, do we have a Swiss bank account that I don't know about? <laughs> Give me the number. Has somebody, is there money somewhere that I have like forgotten about or whatever? And because I, I, I'm astonished by it. What do you mean? I, I've, I've looked at everything. And this thought comes to me, your mom. Oh boy. You haven't, you haven't used all your resources until you have given your mom a chance. Well, my mom at this time is retired. My mom very, very strong woman, and mom is, uh, mom, when she was on this earth, was a little like God in this. You could not manipulate mom in any way. Mom, <laughs> mom easily said no, and she didn't care if you felt bad when she said no. It's like, mom, okay, but can you be a little more gentle? And her main thing was fairness, justice. She's got six children. She's got 18 grandchildren. They're all going to be treated the same. For one of her children to come for $6,000 just for them, just for their family, just for their need, that's audacious. That's really, that's shameless. But this is... This is, this, is a, this is a resource I have. My resource is not just what I have in the bank. It's the relationship I have. So I go to mom. I just lay it out. I'm like, here it is. And I'm, I'm happy if she says no. I, I'm just supposed to obey. She says, I want a second opinion. I'm like, let's do it. They go, get a second opinion. Second guy says exactly the same thing. And mom says, let's do it. Let's do it. Now, here's what I want you to get out of this. Without my shameless audacity, my daughter is still in pain today. She's still, she still got that. Somebody had to be shamelessly audacious. Today, God's going to be asking us to pray a bigger prayer. You know, there's a guy in the Bible named Jabez. And the Bible doesn't tell us anything he did. Here's what it says. This is 1 Chronicles 4, 9 and 10. Here's all it says about Jabez. It says, Jabez was more honorable than all of his brothers. Jabez one day prayed that his name, his mom named him Jabez because of what happened when he was born. His name means pain. He was literally born in pain. But he prayed a prayer. And here's the prayer. He said, Father, God, bless me indeed. Let it be seen that your hand is upon my life. Enlarge the stakes of my tent and let everybody know that it was your hand that did it. It wasn't my cleverness. It wasn't my gift. It wasn't my hard work. Let it, do it in a way that everybody knows this was your hand. And he says, keep me from pain and keep me from causing pain. And then it simply says this, and God answered his prayer. Why was he more honorable than his brothers? He just prayed a bigger prayer. He just prayed a bigger prayer. Guys, it is so easy to get our identity in our pain. 
and our whole Christianity be around our pain and our trauma and our this and our that and our that. God knows you're in pain. God knows the trauma. God cares. God loves you. He sees all the events that put you in pain. But God wants us to pray a prayer that our identity would not be our pain, but it would be in his blessing. It would be in his hand. It would be on what he does on our behalf. And instead of multiplying pain, which is what happens when you live in your pain and from your pain, you pass the pain on. Jabez's prayer is break it, break the cycle. Break the cycle with me. Bless me, enlarge the stakes of my tent, enlarge my influence, and let me be a blessing. Let me be part of the answer for the world instead of part of the problem. So, to understand this story, it's like, what on earth is even going on in this story? Why, why is this such a big deal? Well, in that culture, hospitality was mandatory. It was, they didn't have hotels. So this is part of the Jewish responsibility. You always had fresh bread for, because you might get a guest. You might get somebody coming, and it was shameful for somebody to come, need help, and you don't have anything for them. So that's kind of the context of why it's a big deal that we have no bread at midnight when we get this unexpected guy coming. But where we are today is someone else in the Bible. It's, it's the story of Esther. Esther has won a beauty contest and become the king's bride. And, but it, the king is a Persian king. Israel is in, at this time, is in captivity to Persia. And this evil guy named Haman has made a decree to wipe out all of God's people. And Esther has this uncle, Mordecai, who informs Esther about this decree. There is a decree over our people to kill everybody, and here's what the decree is, and what are you going to do about it? And Esther writes back to her uncle Mordecai. Dear Uncle Mordecai, how are you? Are you having a good summer? <laughs> None of that. What she says is this, I'm so sad about this decree, and I, and, I, and I really wish that I could help, but there is a law, and the Persian law cannot be changed. There is a law that if anybody comes to the king and approaches the king's throne uninvited, they are, they are killed. Love you, Uncle Mordecai. Sorry about the decree. Can't, can't do it. And then she says, however, there is one special law that is also Persian law, that the king, when somebody comes uninvited into his presence, can choose, instead of death, can raise this scepter a favor and grant whatever they're coming for. Wish I could do something, can't. So Mordecai writes back. She sends that to Uncle Mordecai. Mordecai writes back and says this. Dear Esther, if you do nothing, if you choose to do nothing, which is everybody's right while they're on this planet, you can do nothing. If you choose to do nothing, you and your family will perish and God will raise up deliverance from somewhere else in Israel. The whole kingdom is not based on you and your, God's plan is not gonna be ruined because you don't do your part. 
And then he says this. But Esther, consider the possibility that the reason why you have your position, the reason why you are in royalty is for such a time as this. This is your greatest hour. You, you need to take advantage of this time. This is why God raised you up. And she writes back to him and says, fast and pray for me for three days. I will fast and pray. And then I'm gonna go into the king. And if I perish, I perish. This is the hour we're in, guys. The decree that the, that the enemy has made is against the human race. He led the human race into deception. God had said, the soul that sins will die. Surely you will die. And the enemy led us here. And so there is a death sentence over the human race. And right now is our time. You are here today and you're a Christian. Praise God. I'm so grateful that you're saved. You are a son of the king. You, you've come to royalty. Would you consider the possibility that one of the reasons why you've come to royalty is for such a time as this? That God wants you to use your relationship, your favor that's come freely to you in Christ, to use that to start taking on a lifestyle that is shamelessly audacious. We need an outpouring, God. We need you to come and do something that only, that only you can do. So last week, I was supposed to preach last week, and I traded with Joyce because of a death in our extended family. My Aunt Rita died, and I, I just really felt like I needed to be there. I just needed to be there because I knew our extended family would come and I, I, just, I just really felt strongly. So Joyce agreed to, to trade with me. I was still back for church, but I mean, I had to leave at early in the morning. I was a mess, but I was here for church, but I couldn't preach. So let me tell you a little about what happened last weekend. My, my dad is the, is the oldest of nine children and Uncle Bill was his twin. They were, they, the, the two of them were the oldest and uh, of nine kids, and Aunt Rita, Uncle Bill married Aunt Rita. And my dad and my Uncle Bill passed away a, a long time ago, but, but Aunt Rita, 91 years old, and, uh, but something happened to them. They, they, were, they were in the Catholic Church, and something happened with Uncle Bill where, as an adult, where he was hurt or offended by the church, so they just stopped going to church, and of course, when they stopped going to church, the family stops going to church. So they were, they were just raised without religion, without talk about Jesus, talk about God. Just that was just gone. And, and I knew that. And I knew that's why it's not at a church. And it's not, it's a, it's a memorial service celebrating her life. And so, so I, I get up there and the service starts. There's no prayer, no Bible reading. And the service starts and say, you know, this, this service was planned by, by Rita, the, the oldest daughter, says, by, by mom. She, she planned everything that's going to happen now. She, she planned what we were eating at the reception. She planned the side dishes. She, I mean, she, this is her, what she wanted us to do. And so, uh, so different family members shared. And, and one of the prevailing messages again and again was this, was... At death, of course, death is always uncomfortable to face, but, but because life is short, 
we need to live life to the full, that we need to get the most out of life because life is so short. And I, I think there's a lot of truth in that. Don't give in to your fears. Don't, don't live by fear, but you know, get, get out there and, and enjoy what God has given and find the goodness of God. And so I don't think that's a wrong message that life is short, live it to the full. But there is another message that's more important, and that is eternity is long, prepare for it. Eternity is very long. The main work of this life is to make sure you're ready for, for that life. And, but I'm not, I'm not there to judge anybody. I'm there to love people. That's why I'm, presence is loving. I'm not doing anything. I'm just there to love people. And uh, person after person shared about how kind Aunt Rita was and how funny she was and just, just a great listener of people. And every, everybody loved Aunt Rita. And... Uh, and here's how the service ended. Her grandson, and once again, by her choice, got up and sang Amazing Grace. And it was funny. It stood out to me. We just, and of course, everybody started singing Amazing Grace. But we only, we did the first verse, and then we did the first verse a second time. So the, they don't even know what the other verses are. They're just, this is Amazing Grace. But there was something in my Aunt Rita that with all the world and all the stuff going on, there was something, something in her deep within said, amazing grace that saved a wretch like me. That I, I, need, I need the goodness of God. I need the beauty of God. And even though I may have rejected religion, I need this thing called grace. And so there, there it was, right at the end of the service. And Well, then we go to the after party. Oh, my. <laughs> the after party goes from 2.30 in the afternoon on, and it is an Irish drinking party, basically. <laughs> Do you know why God created beer? So the Irish wouldn't rule the world. <laughs> and so honestly... We're, it's family, and, uh, but I, am, I think I'm the only person at this whole thing that's not drinking. Everybody's drinking. Everybody's going for it. Everybody's toasting Aunt Rita. We're, we, 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 we play games. We're very competitive. We play cards, and then we, we sing. And so all, all of those happen in the midst of this drinking. And I'm, I'm just happy to be there. I'm happy that I will be the designated driver so everybody gets back to the hotel safely. Praise God. I am just there to love them. I'm not there to preach. I'm just there to love them. But just to give you an idea, one of my cousins comes up to me, completely sincere. I, he just couldn't have been more sincere with love in his eyes. He's genuinely interested in me. And he says, how is that blankety blank blank church going? <laughs> and he's not trying to offend me. It's just like, this is his language. This is... His thing. And I'm like, oh, it's going pretty good. You know, I mean, what do you say? What do you, what do you say? So, but there were, there were a couple moments that stood out to me. One of, one of them was, uh, one of them is, w w was, we were playing bag toss in the backyard. And when I, when I got out, I was sitting on the sidelines watching. And, uh, and of course, the whole family knows that I'm a pastor, that I'm a Jesus person, that they don't really know what to do with me, but 
Um, but this young, young woman sits next to me, and it's my cousin's son's wife. And she wants to talk about Jesus. And she just starts talking. She tells me about her journey and that she started out with, in church with Jesus and then went into all the world religions and has been all over the place. And she said, I'm, I'm trying to find my way back. She said, we went to Easter Sunday and my six-year-old son said, when we came out, Mama, I felt Jesus in that service. I felt Jesus in that service. And so we just got to talk. I got to talk about Jesus. Who is Jesus and how does he work? And she wanted to know about my experience with God. And, and, and just, the, this is out there, guys. This is out there. People want to know. It's, it's midnight. When you're, when you're raising your kids and you don't want them to go the right way, you want them to know something real, something true. So then we, we get into this sing-along. The sing-along goes for four hours. There are four guitar players. We've got songbooks. We've got accordion. We've got, all, it's just, it's all happening. And people, show, and it's mainly, they're mainly drinking songs. Some are family songs that we grew up with. And, but it's many inappropriate songs. And I'm just there, you know, whatever. I'm just here to love people. Well, we're a couple hours in, and my, my cousin starts on her accordion. She starts playing Amazing Grace. So everybody sings the first verse, but she keeps going. So I start feeding the whole room the words to verse two, to when we've been there a thousand, and the presence of God comes in the midst of the drinking and the darkness and the pain and the brokenness. A lot of the, I don't know if you've noticed, but a lot of drinking songs, if you've ever seen them, they're about brokenness and they're about the human condition and and betrayal and and there's just a lot of pain in all of those songs and there's something uh, reinforcing about just singing about pain and pain and pain and drink and pain and drink and pain and and then in the midst of that darkness the presence of God comes and all of a sudden there is hope for healing Hope for something beyond this life. And, and it was just this beautiful moment in that time. I wish I was more anointed. I wish I had more of the Holy Spirit. There are many stories. Charles Finney, Smith Wigglesworth being so filled with the Spirit, they would just be at something like this and the Holy Spirit would just fall on everybody. My, oh my. Reinhard Bunke, oh my. He goes to this village in Africa to do revival meetings. This guy, pastor asked him to come to the church, and there's no teenagers. He said, where are all the teenagers? He said, oh, they're all at the disco. So he goes, the, the disco is packed with teenagers, and they go past midnight. And he goes to the owner of the disco. He said, tomorrow night, could I speak for five minutes at midnight? And the owner of the disco says, what, what are you going to say? He said, can you just trust me? I only, I only need five minutes. All right, do it. He speaks for five minutes at midnight. The spirit of God falls. Kids start repenting everywhere. A year later, he comes back. That disco is now a church, and the owner is now the pastor. The Holy Spirit wants to be poured out. There's more, guys. 
there is more. So Pastor Tom, what was the value of you even being there? Why were you part of this party? Here's why. Let me tell you why. Why it was so important that I was there. Because I got to look all of my cousins in the eyes. We grew up with these cousins. We did so much with these cousins. And they all know my story. And I got to love them. I got to play cards with them. I got to laugh with them. And why is, Pastor Tom, why is that so important? Here's why. Midnight is coming to every life. When everything's going good, you don't need that friend. But when it's midnight, you look for a friend. And you look for a friend that's got something more than what you have. Midnight comes to every life. Everybody is going to deal with sickness. Everybody's going to deal with disease. They're going to deal with their kids on drugs. They're going to deal with this. And when they get there, they need God. Or at least they need somebody that knows God. And this is why it's so important that we love people that are in the world. Even if they're not walking with God. Even if they're going away from God. Now, I get it. Sometimes we're not strong enough and we have to, for a while, just, I can't hang around you anymore because you're pulling me down. I can't, I'm not pulling you up. You're pulling me down. I, for my sake, I need to get stronger. But guys, it's midnight. What are you and I going to do about it? So here's the prophetic word. 4 a.m. this morning, this came. For I would say to the church, wake up. For you have been in a deep sleep for too long. Wake up, wipe the sleep from your eyes and begin to listen to my voice. For my heart is tender toward you, my church, but also fierce. For I am a jealous God and I will have no other gods before me. I am jealous for you, my children. I desire a deep place of intimacy in your life. Forsake all other lovers and come to me. Sit at my feet. Linger in my presence. For there is a wave of my glory that I am beginning to pour out. Don't sleep through it, church. Wake up. For I am awakening desire in you. Desire for me. For you will have a deepening dissatisfaction for the things of this world. You will say, all of this feels so empty. And it is. I am the only one who can satisfy the deep longing in your heart. You have sought to fill this longing with other things. I have placed this dissatisfaction in your heart because my desire is that you would look to me. Commune with me. Talk with me, laugh with me, cry with me, rejoice with me, sit with me, trust me, ask me questions. I love you, my children, and I absolutely love spending time with you. When you don't want to spend time with me, it breaks my heart. For I created you with a longing inside to be with me. For that is when you are fully awake and fully alive. When you are with me. Honor me with your whole heart. Your time, your thoughts, your worship, your attention, your finances, your relationships, your choices, your yeses, your noes. All of it. All of it. 
for all of me. Are you willing to go all in? What will you give up for me? I gave it all up for you because of my fierce love for you.